take authority over every oppressive spirit, every spirit of depression. We break its power in this place in the name of Jesus. Satan, you, we serve an eviction notice on you. You have no place in our minds, in our thinking, in our thoughts here today. We rebuke you and cast you out in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood. We plead the blood of Jesus over this service, over our minds, our wills, and emotions. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I just had to do that. Amen. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. Glory, no devil, no demon, no evil spirit can even stand in the presence of God and the anointing. Amen. And I don't mean, I don't mind saying that God is here in this place. Jesus is here in this place. His presence is here in this place. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Even on time change weekend. (laughs) Amen. Now today I want you to sit back and enjoy what God wants to give to you. He wants to give some things to you this morning, impart some things. And let me tell you something. You should never leave church empty-handed. Amen. When you come to church, at least our church, when you come, you're going to leave with something with you. Amen. That you can take with you. We've been talking for, oh, a couple of weeks now. I think this is actually number four about this particular topic right here called winning in life. And we're teaching you some basic principles about how to win in life. Amen. How many of you know that winning is fun? Amen. Winning is enjoyable. Praise God. And I I know as a child growing up as a young teenager and older teenager, and even to this day, I do not like to lose. I don't care if it's a board game. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I like to win. Winning is fun. Praise God. And I'm just so glad that, that the Lord taught us in His Word how we can win in life. Now, uh, God wants us to win, as I said in in previous meetings here at the services, that God wants us to win in our spiritual life. He wants us to win in our mental life, our physical life. He wants us to win in relationships. He wants us to win in finances. Amen, like Sister Melissa was talking here today. Amen. Well, God just wants us to win in every single aspect of life. And uh, here's a couple of the steps that we covered in review Real quickly here, in fact, on the back of your bulletin there, you feel free to take notes. There's a place there you can take notes. I encourage you to do that because uh, you are in class here. How many of you know church is a place where we're here to learn? We're, we're not just here to get inspiration. We're here to get information from the Lord too. Actually both. Information and inspiration from God. Praise the Lord. And uh, we talked about some steps in the first three sessions. Number one, we talked about The first step to winning in life is to have the right information. Melissa shared that exact same scripture this morning in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, in John chapter 8, talking about how that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you have knowledge of the truth, that truth will set you free. All right? So you've got to have the right information to win in life. The, The Lord said in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Lack of knowledge. The second thing that we talked about to winning in life is to have the right mental attitude. Have the right mindset, the right mental attitude. And that's really important. Amen. Now the Word of God will transform the way that we think to a negative attitude, to a positive right mental attitude. Amen. 
That's why the, the scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 12 that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen. You know, the greatest need for a sinner is salvation. The greatest need for the believer is to have their minds renewed with the Word of God. You see, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, when you came to Him, you didn't get a new mind, you didn't get a new flesh, you got a new spirit, right? That's the part of you that's a new creature is your human spirit, all right? So we have to do something with our bodies and we have to do something with our minds. And that's why Romans 12 was written. We're to present our bodies to God, praise the Lord. Number two, we are to renew our minds with the Word of God. Now, how do we do that? We, we, we exchange our old unregenerate stinking thinking with the Word of God. We start to think like the Word says. Amen. Put Scripture in us and that will begin to renew our minds. And, and by the way, this is a continual process. You'll never reach perfection while you're in this earth. This is something that we do on a regular basis. We've got to keep our minds filled with the Word of God. Matter of fact, in uh, Isaiah 26, 3 says, God says, I will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me because he trusteth in me. All right? God says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed and fixed upon me. Praise the Lord. Everybody with me this morning? Amen. We've got to keep our minds on him. We've got to keep our minds on the word of God. All right, so the second step to winning in life is having the right mental attitude. Thirdly, the third step to winning in life is to realize that you're, we covered this last week, to realize that you're on a winning team. When you got saved and you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you were translated, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness and you were translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. I mean, taken out of one kingdom, placed into another kingdom. Amen. And we're in the kingdom of light. You're on a winning team. Amen. And we talked about three things last week that were, and I'll just mention this because of time this today, but man, if you weren't here, pick up one of the CDs from last week and listen to this. It'll set you free. Uh, we, we saw that the scripture teaches us that God has three things uh, for us, and that is God is with us. We saw scriptures about that. Number two, God is for us. And number three, God is in us. As believers, God is with us, God is for us, and number three, God is on the inside of us. When uh, we begin the, to understand and have a consciousness of God with us, God for us, and God in us, we cannot be defeated. Cannot be defeated. Amen? Now today, number four, that I want to talk about, the, the fourth step to winning in life, and this is what we're going to talk about here today. Glory to God. Uh, Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 for a minute. Just hold, it, just hold there in Ephesians chapter 4. The fourth step to winning in life is to be determined to win. We have to be determined to win. Say determination. determination. We have to be determined. Being determined to win is essential for us to win in this life. Or I could say it like this. Sometimes you have to get mad at losing. Amen? I've done a little research here, you know. In fact, I, I, I proved this out myself. That athletes, for example, in any given sport, when they play mad, they usually win. 
I'm not, you know, I'm talking about getting ticked off and taking someone's head off. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a healthy anger that can be channeled in the right direction. Amen. And uh, we have to be determined to win in life. It's kind of like uh, wars that America has been into. If, if they don't go into that war, for example, there's a righteous cause for war sometimes. How many of you know that? The Bible talks about that. There's a time for war to protect righteousness and to protect people and so forth. But uh, lost my train of thought. What was I going to say there? If, there, here it is. If you go in, if, if, if you're not determined as a country before the military, before you go into battle, you've already lost. In your mind, in their minds, they say, we are going into this fight and we are going to win this fight and we're going to come out victors in this situation. Right? And people that don't, countries that don't, don't do very good. And so we have to be determined to win in life. We've got to be determined. Now, uh, anybody here ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth before? Okay. Smith Wigglesworth was, uh, you know, he was around here about 100 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And he uh, had tremendous revival in his life. And over, he's from England and from the UK, you know. And, uh, you know, and he had, he had raised uh, tw- over, by the Holy Ghost, of course, 24 people, documented people raised from the dead. You know, he had revival on every inhabited continent that exists today powerful man of God. He was an uneducated plumber, you know, that couldn't read or write. And the Holy Spirit taught him to read a book. And the only book that he knew how to read was the Bible. That's the only book that he knew how to read. He was uneducated from that standpoint, you know. He was a plumber. He was a rough and tough guy. But he, he got a hold of God through his wife, actually, came to the Lord and began to experience the presence of God in his life. Uh, and I'll tell you, he was never the same. And so you can read about him. You can see documentaries about him. And I mean, just we can follow the man's faith, you know. But I remember on one occasion, I've heard so many different stories about him and quotes about him through the years, you know. And one in particular that stands out to me was he was uh, standing outside at a bus stop waiting for a bus to come and pick him up. And there were some people that were standing there, you know, waiting like we do today. And uh, he was standing. There was a few people waiting there. And there was a lady that lived, I guess her house was real close to where the bus stop was. And so she had this little fuzzy dog, okay. And this little dog just loved her. And she followed, this little dog, puppy dog followed her out to the bus stop, you know. And, well, she knew that any second the bus was going to be coming around the corner, opening up its doors, and she was going to get on. And the dog couldn't go with her. All right? So she kept saying, come on, hey, get away, get away. And the dog just wagged its tail, you know, true story. And, uh, she, and she, kept, she kept encouraging the dog, go, honey, go, go back, go back, go back. And uh, the dog wouldn't listen. He would just wag its tail, you know, and so forth. And finally, here comes the bus up the street. They could see the bus coming. And the dog is still standing there with her. And she goes, she better do something about this. So she goes, she stomped her foot. She goes, get and that dog took off. And it took off. And it went. And Wigglesworth was standing there with his arms folded looking at this. He goes, that's exactly how you have to treat the devil. Amen. Amen? There's a lesson in that because the Bible says we're to resist the devil and he will flee from us. Amen? But sometimes we're just not bold enough. 
sometimes, and we've all been there and done that, myself included, sometimes we just don't have the gumption. We don't have the fortitude. We don't have the boldness that when we tell the devil to take his hands off of us, we think that that's a little game that we're playing, that he may or may not leave. No, the Bible says when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And by the way, the word flee actually means, it means in the, the Greek, it means to run as if in terror. When the devil flees from you, he's not just like, well, I'll see you later. The Bible says he runs as if in terror. Hallelujah. So we're talking about being determined to win in life and to, to win in any any field of life that we're involved in, whether it's your physical body, your finances, your relationships, whatever the case may be, sometimes we have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. We've got to put our foot down in the name of Jesus and realize God has given us authority through Jesus Christ, through His death and His burial and His resurrection. He's given us boldness so that we can come before His throne. Amen? Uh, Scared prayers usually don't amount to a whole lot. Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Well, that's not going to do a whole lot. Amen? But you've got you to know who you are, what you have, and what belongs to you in Christ Jesus. And you put your hand up, so to speak, like a, like a police officer would in midday traffic. And, you know, the, the people that see, at least the way it should be. Amen? It's just a shame. It's, it's absolutely astounding what has happened in America with a lot of people disgracing and dishonoring our military and dis, our, our police officers. That's from the pit of hell. Amen? And uh, you know it and I know it. Everybody knows it. Praise God. But you know, all things being equal, my father was a police officer back in the, in the 70s, late 60s, 70s, you know, and he was a city policeman for the Pittsburgh city of Pittsburgh. And uh, he had several duties and so forth, but one of the things he would do that he didn't really care for it is he would have traffic duty downtown. And he had one of those big white Harley Davidsons, you know, which I never got to ride, but, you know, it looked pretty cool. And, um, but he would go out there in midday traffic when rush hour in the morning or at night, you know, and, and hundreds of cars are coming out, you know. He would just walk out there in the middle of the road, have his uniform on, put his hand up, and all the traffic would stop. And whatever he told them to do, they would do it. Now, he didn't have the power to stop those cars. Physical power, did he? But he had the authority in his uniform. Any normal civilian could walk out there in the middle of the street and try to do the same thing, and people are going to go, what's wrong with this guy? Start beeping the horn, go around him, you know? But see, there's authority in that police officer's clothing. You got the badge, you know? And my father, I remember when I was just 12, 13 years old, and I remember he first got on the police force, and he came in. Just graduated from the police academy, and he came in the house the first time with that blue uniform on, that badge, the gun belt, I mean the hat, the whole nine yards. I thought, whoa, that's more than just my dad right there. There's authority. There's a little kid that really registered on me, you know. And so he, he loved his job. He, he had a dream when he was younger to be a police officer, and he fulfilled that dream. Don't you know there's people that God has called to be on our military? God has called people to be on our police force? The scripture says that they're actually ministers of God. Not like this per se, but they're ministers to execute righteous judgment on evildoers. So to keep us safe. Amen. And uh, well, my point being is this, is that the authority that my father had was in his clothing. 
All right, when people looked at that or his vehicle or whatever, his badge, that represented the city of Pittsburgh. So um, in the spirit realm, when we're born again, the Bible says we have on the full armor of God. And in the spirit realm, when the devil looks at us, he can't tell the difference between us and Jesus. Now that's not sacrilegious, that's just the truth. Because I have on God's armor, God's clothing, God's suit. And that's why Ephesians chapter 6 says, put on the what? Whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Well, if we don't put on the whole armor of God, that's for our sake so that we know we have authority. Amen? And we have the sword of the Spirit. We have the Word of God. And we know who we are in Christ. When the enemy does something to us, we can stand up to him and say, no, you don't. Mm Mm-mm. You ain't coming to this house in the name of Jesus. One of the most dangerous doctrines, I think I mentioned this last week, one of the most dangerous doctrines that exist in the church world today is the doctrine of that God has everything under control. Are you with me now? How many of you ever heard God's in control? You ever hear that before? God's in control. Something bad happens. God's in control. Right? Well, if he is, if he's really in control, listen very carefully. If God has everything under full control, then he's doing a terrible job. Because right now, as we're in this room, somebody is being being robbed. Someone is being kidnapped. Something bad has happened in this city. You go home and look, watch the 6 o'clock news tonight. I don't encourage you to do that, but that's one of the worst things you can watch is Pittsburgh news. It's like, dear God, it's one of the worst things you can watch. And, uh, I mean, all they're doing is reporting exactly what the devil was doing. Someone got killed. Someone got raped. Someone got robbed. Someone got murdered. A drug. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's everything that the devil's doing, and they're amplifying the bad and the evil that's there. You see? But if we put on the armor of God and we know who we are in Christ Jesus and we're determined to win, nothing will be able to stop us. We must be determined to win. Now, uh, you have to want it bad enough. If you want to win in life, I don't care if your body's being attacked by sickness and disease, I don't care if your finances are being attacked, your family's being attacked, your kids are being attacked. You have to have a righteous indignation about you to say, no, devil, I'm not backing down on this. I'm not putting up with this. Hallelujah. And when you become determined, and no one can do that for you except yourself, become determined and focused, focused on winning, you will win. Praise God. Some of you know the devil's the author of distractions. Amen. Satan is the author of all distractions. And all he can try to do is distract you from being focused on what you should be focused on. Sometimes in the spirit realm, we have attention deficit. Right? You can be sitting in here in church and your mind's off somewhere else thinking about a grocery list or something you have to do after the service. But you you train yourself to harness those thoughts while you're here and say, no, I'm going to be focused right now. Because all that matters is right now what I'm hearing from the Word of God. 
So the fourth step to winning in life is we have to be determined to win. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25 It says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, uh, it's okay to be angry, just don't yield to sin. Amen? Let me give you an example. There's different ways to retaliate. Jesus just got wind of the fact that they had taken his cousin, John the Baptist, and beheaded John the Baptist. Right? Right? He was close with his cousin, John the Baptist. Remember the prophet, the greatest prophet? Amen. From the Old Testament was uh, John the Baptist. He was, the, he was there. He was the, see, Hosea and Isaiah and Jeremiah, those guys weren't even around when Jesus was. They prophesied about Jesus. But John the Baptist is living in the same time frame as the Lord Jesus Christ. He actually water baptized him and the Spirit of God came. But Jesus got wind of the fact and word of the fact. They came to him and said they'd taken John and they've beheaded him, you know. And you know, how many of you know that's a tough, he was close to his cousin and they killed him. They beheaded him. Just like that spirit that's in Isis, right? And beheaded him. But you know what he did to retaliate? The Bible says the next day he went out, he had compassion on the sick and he healed the sick. Multitudes of people. That's the way to get even. Amen. Amen. He didn't go out there and start swinging and everything like this, you know. See, that's what Peter did, you know, uh, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was right before the crucifixion. Remember that? And Jesus encouraged his followers, his 12 disciples. He says, I want you to tarry with me or pray with me for one hour. Some people, some Christians have never prayed for one hour. But he, Jesus was in his, I mean, he's right there at the very end, you know. He says, could you watch and pray with me for one hour? Well, Jesus kept coming back. Remember that? He would check on them. He would come back and look at them, and they were sawing logs. They were counting sheep. And, he's, and he said this. Jesus made this statement. I'm just referring to this. He said, the flesh, the, the spirit indeed is willing to pray. In other words, your spirit wants to pray, but your flesh is weak. He told him that. Your flesh is weak, but your spirit wants to do it. And you know, how many of you know your spirit always wants to do the right thing? But it's another thing for your flesh to carry that out. <laughs> you find that to be true sometimes. You, have, you may have good intentions, but I'm telling you, sometimes that flesh just rises up and says, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to walk in love. Amen? I don't want to be nice to someone that's been mean to me, right? Your flesh, is, your flesh has a voice. Oh, bless the Lord. But we have to tell our flesh what to do. Paul says, I keep my, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says, I keep my body under. How many of you know your body has a voice, big, strong voice sometimes? And your body will tell you things. Your, your body will try to talk you into being discouraged. Like that song this morning, I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be depressed. Sometimes, you know, even David, he said this. He, he told himself this. He says, bless this Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not all of his benefits. He says, bless soul, bless the Lord. Sometimes we've got to tell our bodies, we've got to tell our minds, here's the way it's, here's the way it's going to be. Praise God. So Ephesians says, be, be angry and sin not. Praise the Lord. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told his disciples, could you wait with me? Could you pray with me for at least an hour? Okay. 
and they kept falling asleep. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, it's interesting that he made that statement because just a few minutes later, here comes the authorities uh, uh, of the Jewish religion and the different people there and the Romans that were going to capture Jesus and take him. Judas had already betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Remember that? Or he's about to. And, uh, but in his heart, he already, he already betrayed the Lord. Remember that? For uh, 30 pieces of silver. You know? And uh, the love of money. <laughs> he went out, didn't mean anything because he went out and hung himself. He realized, he realized, my God, what did I just do here, you know? Well, you remember they came and they came with swords and with armor and all this kind of stuff, you know? And Peter was sleeping. They were sleeping. And all of a sudden they woke up to this nightmarish situation here. And here comes the, the, the high priest and so forth, and they're capturing Jesus. Peter just woke up in a, right out of a sleep, and he grabbed, he had a sword. He grabbed his sword, and he started swinging. You know what I'm saying? Like Star Wars or something. Man, you know what I mean? Like a lightsaber, you know what I mean? Wham, wham, wham. He starts swinging, you know? And, uh, and the, the servant of the high priest, whose name was Malchus, M-A-L-C-U-S, M-A-L-C-U-S, Malchus. The Bible says that Peter cut off, now some of the Gospels doesn't say who it was, but I think it's Luke that says actually it was Peter that did that. And Peter was not going for the guy's ear. He cut off his right ear, I think it was. Peter wasn't going for the guy's ear. He was going for his head. He wants to see some heads rolling. Peter just like this, you know what I'm saying? And the guy probably went like this and got a hold of his ear, knocked his ear off. I mean, cut the guy's ear off. Don't you know Peter's in hot water right here? They could kill him on the spot just like that. Jesus said, put up your sword. He says, they that live by the sword shall die by the sword, you know. Well, Malchus, you know, he's, he's only got one ear now. He's bleeding profusely, you know, and this, uh, he cut his ear off. And the Bible says that now... These are the enemies of Jesus Christ, right? I love this story. This is so amazing. These are the enemies of Jesus Christ. They're coming to take him, to nail him to the cross, to crucify him, to torture him. Jesus reaches over and touches Malchus and he heals his ear. There's a miracle restoration that takes place. This isn't just healing. This is a miracle. You can't heal something that's not there. He touched his, his head and all of a sudden a new ear... Now, Malchus was one of the enemies. He's coming to take Jesus away. He was the servant of the high priest. I mean, he was a man of authority taking Jesus away. And Jesus takes time to heal his enemy. See, Peter was of a different spirit. He's wanting to take his head off. But how does Jesus respond to this? He heals his enemy, Malchus. If Jesus will heal an enemy, how much more will he heal his own children who are not his enemies? Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine what was going through Malchus's mind? He's probably standing there, what just happened here? I see my ear laying there. I see the blood on the ground, but I got a new ear. Say glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Well, Jesus was not yielding to the flesh. He was yielding to the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I tell you, that's a way to retaliate. Yes. 
Bible says, bless them that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Bless them that curse you. See, is God trying to make it hard on us? Is he trying to make it difficult on us? I used to think that. Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I don't feel like doing that. Is, is the Lord trying to make it tough on us? Bless them that curse you. Oh, I don't want to do that. Pray for those that take advantage of you. <laughs> Amen. Well, my flesh doesn't want to do that. But here's the thing. God is trying to keep you and me in the blessing, not the curse. You see, there's a lot of people out there in this world, if you just step out these doors, that are, in, that are influenced. And I'm not saying they're necessarily demon-possessed. They could be. But I'll tell you, if they're not born again, they are controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The Bible says that. So, you know, people, they don't, even, they don't know it. They don't know that there's a spirit realm. They don't know that they're being governed and channeled and, and, uh, by the prince of the power of the air. Well, Satan sometimes will try to use those people to try to get to you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen? Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, a few years ago, oh, three years ago or so, I was, uh, I was uh, taking a long prayer drive. I just felt like uh, impressed in my spirit um, to spend this particular day to really take time and really pray. So I told my wife, I said, honey, I'm going to be gone for several hours. I'm just going to take off. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to go drive and I'm going to pray and I'm going to get with God, you know, and, and I, so I went up north. I just went due north, up by Lake Arthur, Lake Moraine, up in that area, and I'm driving. It's a beautiful summer day, and I'm driving through the country, and I'm, I'm having a marvelous time with the Lord. And, uh, and I'm, I'd been in the presence of God for the whole day, pretty much, and I'm coming back, and I'm on this particular route up near, uh, up near Elwood City, up in that area. I'm coming back on this particular route here where the, uh, there's an airport, a little airport that's up there, if you know where that is up there. I'm coming back on this road. I can't remember the name of the road. And uh, I looked in my rearview mirror, and this is a country road, and there was a guy in a truck that was almost kissing my bumper. And I'm going like 10 miles over the speed limit. And he's on my bumper. I mean, he is pushing me and pushing me. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm like, I'm going already 10 miles over the speed limit. What do you want me to do? And I couldn't pull over at that point, you know. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I saw my rear view mirror. He was so close to me. He started dropping the F-bomb and just cursing me and giving me the middle finger and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm here. I mean, I'm just driving. I'm just minding my own business. I'm just driving. And all of a sudden, he comes up on me like this out of nowhere. I didn't do anything in the natural to provoke him. I didn't cut him off or do anything. I was minding my own business. He came flying up behind me real close, you know. And, uh, and there's there no way he could have passed me at that point. And so, uh, I mean, it's getting really heated here. He is not just a little bit angry. He is really, he's, he's rage, outraged. He's enraged. Have you ever seen people like that? I mean, he, a spirit of rage was on this guy. I mean, he was violent, you know. And, uh, and I felt my flesh... Amen? Because in the natural, I wanted to take him on. I'm telling you what, I wanted to stop that car, get out of there. Come on, let's go. Come on. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? From the natural. <laughs> I wanted, the, my flesh wanted to do that. 
my body wanted to do that. My, I had pressure on my flesh to do that. But here's the thing. Before I was saved, I would have not thought twice about it. I would have pulled over and said, let's go. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, if you fight just flesh and blood, and I'm not saying you can't protect yourself and things like that. That's another story, okay? But the Spirit of God spoke to my spirit at that moment. He says, Keith, take authority over that spirit that's controlling that guy right now. Now, I didn't hear it with these physical, these ears right here, but I heard it in here. And the Lord spoke. He said, he said take authority over that spirit, that demon that's controlling that guy right there. And so I did. Now, he didn't know what was going on. It didn't matter. So I'm just driving, doing my thing, you know, and all of a sudden I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that evil spirit that's operating through this guy behind me right now. Satan, I command you to desist in your maneuvers and in your operations right now. In Jesus' name, I break your power, Satan. Well, we're pulling up. All of a sudden we're coming into uh, Zillianople, the town of Zillianople, and I'm, I'm pulling up there, and there's a red light right there, and I'm thinking... All right, this is going to be interesting, you know. And we pull up to the red light, and he pulls up right behind me. It looked like he was, uh, he might have had a gun, I don't know. He looked like he was ready to jump out of the car and just, just do whatever, you know. And as I stopped there, and I'd just taken authority, he, I looked in the mirror, and he had this real frustrating look on his face, and all of a sudden he just darted down one of these side streets, and that was the last time I saw him. Hallelujah. Well, When I was presented with this situation here, I could have reacted in the physical, in the flesh. Now, there were times that I've acted in the flesh. I'm not proud of it, you know. But when your spirit is weak, your flesh is strong. That's why I put a lot of precedence in my prayer life. Amen. That's, that's the most important thing I can do every given day is my time with God. Not just because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a child of God. It's spending time with Jesus, spending time with Him. And so that you'll be equipped and not taken off, being thrown off your game, so to speak, when the enemy comes along with something like this. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people with bodies. But our, our rest, we, our rest, we wrestle against principalities and powers. So <clears throat> what we need to do is take authority of the spirits that control those people. Okay, And when I did that, within a few short minutes, that thing was, he was gone. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you, my, my body sure had a voice in that situation, even though I had been praying. You know? And that's why so many crazy things happen with people. You know? and, they, and they after something bad happens, they're like, what did I just do? Right? But when the Lord said, bless them that curse you, Pray for those that despitefully use you, so forth and so on. The Lord's trying to keep you in the flow of the blessing so that you're living on Blessing Street. And you're not, in other words, when someone presses your button that's filled with the demons and devils and evil spirits, when they press your button, you're not responding to them like someone in the flesh normally would. All right? So instead of saying you blankety blank, 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 I say, I bless you, I forgive you in Jesus' name. See, I've had people cut me off on the road, I can't tell you how many times, you know, and do things. And they'll, whatever, you know, road rage, whatever you want to call it. 
And sometimes I just have to say out loud, I forgive you. I forgive you. I don't know who they are. never met them in my life. But sometimes, you know, you don't have to hold unforgiveness. It's not just with people that you know. You can hold unforgiveness towards people you never met before. <laughs> I met a guy one time that was years ago. This guy was in my church many, many years ago. And he was a hothead. He was just hot-tempered, man. Everything just ticked him off so quick, you know. And he was so furious and mad at the government. And I thought about it. I thought, you don't even know the president. You know, I, don't, I can't remember who was in office at the time. You don't know who he is. You don't know anything about him. You don't know these people. But you're holding unforgiveness towards the government? Well, that, that can hinder your prayers. How many of you know if you have unforgiveness in, the, in your heart, the Bible says God won't hear your prayers? That's why when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Have you ever had aught to forgive? <laughs> I ought to punch him, though. I ought to forgive him. Amen? If you have aught against any, in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, if, when you stand praying, forgive. Forgive if you have aught, anything against anybody, that your Father will hear you and not in other words, it won't hinder your prayers. I can only find two instances in the Bible where your, your prayers are hindered. And you know what they are? There's only two things that I can see from the Word of God in the New Testament is unbelief and unforgiveness. They're the only two. I, that's the only thing I see in the New Testament that actually hinders us from our prayers being answered. Unbelief and unforgiveness. UN, UN. <laughs> Unbelief, unforgiveness. Now, here's the beautiful thing. You actually have control over those things. Okay? Now, sometimes when you forgive someone, you do it by faith. The, don't wait for the feelings necessary. There are times that I've had to forgive people that did me wrong. You know, don't get me wrong. My flesh still felt nasty towards them. But in my spirit, I said, no, I forgive them. I didn't have the physical feeling attached to it like, boy, I really love them. You know what I'm saying? But in my spirit, I said, nope. I'll say it out loud sometimes. Lord, I forgive so-and-so. They, they don't know what they're doing. I forgive them in Jesus' name. And, and the Lord just reminds me, he says, that's the way to stay in the blessing. Because if I get off in either unbelief or unforgiveness, then I'm on Satan's turf where he can steal from me and rob from me, and I don't want him to do that. Amen? I was, uh, I was praying uh, yesterday, and the Holy Ghost spoke something to me. And I'll tell you what, it just set me free. He says, he says Keith, did, did you ever notice, he was talking to me about love, and he said, did you ever notice that, that, he says, diamonds are found in the midst of dirt? And he said this, always look for the good in people, and you'll stay on safe ground. Diamonds are found with common dirt, right? And you know that's the most expensive rock in the world? But every single person has some diamonds in them. And the love of God, when we operate in the love of God, it will help us to look beyond the dirt because we all have dirt. Our bodies are made of dirt, right? But there's a diamond. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says. I don't know about you, but that just, that opened my eyes. I was like, wow, I needed to hear that. Amen? 
The Bible says love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Amen? Well, hate believes the worst of every person, but love is ever ready to believe. In other words, find the good in people. And if, if we're busy doing that, we'll stay on safe, safe grounds. Amen? So we have to be determined to win. My gosh, what time is it here already? My Lord. We, uh, real quickly here, go to Genesis chapter 27. I want to show you this before we leave. Remember the story about Esau and Jacob? That Esau was the firstborn. And the firstborn always received the inheritance, the blessing from their fathers. That's the way God set it up. But Jacob, on the other hand, uh, his, name, his name meant supplanter or deceiver. And he found a way to get the blessing from Esau. One day, they're out there in the wilderness, you know, and they had spent hours out there. And, and so Esau was extremely uh, uh, hungry. Remember that? Jacob was hungry. And Jacob, well, let's just read the Bible right here. In Genesis 27, verse 39, this is out of the NLT. It says, Finally, his father Isaac said unto him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven above, and you will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake the yoke from off of your neck. Now, the message part of that says, the message Bible says, if when you can't take it anymore, you will loose and you will break loose and you will go free. Now, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Remember that? His appetite was taking dominion over him. He said, I'm going to sell my birthright for a bowl of stew. Amen. And he did that. And remember then he deceived, he dressed up and so forth. His father at that time uh, was uh, older and he couldn't see. His senses weren't all there. You know what I'm saying? And he came in and he deceived his father. And Esau technically was the next firstborn. He was in line for the blessing. And so he deceived his father. And remember uh, his father prayed for him, blessed him. And he took the inheritance. And then Esau came in a few minutes later, said, Father, bless, it's time to bless me now. I brought the venison and so forth. Remember that? And, um, and he just freaked out. He said, what, what happened? What just happened here? And he couldn't get back his birthright. He couldn't get back his inheritance. But there's one thing. There's one thing that his father said to him. He says, when you get tired... He said, you'll live by the sword hand to mouth. You will serve your brother. But when you can't take it anymore, you will break loose and you will run free. So in other words, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you will break free from this thing. Okay? And now Jacob, his name meant deceiver, but God changed his name to Israel. Got a name change. Changed his name to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. Remember that? Who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? 
Now look at one more scripture here and we'll close here. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Just stay with me here real quick. We have to be determined to win. And you know, it's important. Now I, I heard a story. Mark Hankins had shared this story. I've, I'll never forget this. He said back in the early part of the century, there is a country church, a country pastor. Now this is back before being filled with the Holy Spirit was really like a accepted type thing. You know what I mean? It was, it was it, people were really persecuted for being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. There's still some remnants of that around today. But back in the early part of the century, there, there was a lot of persecution along that line. But there was a particular pastor back in the country. He was a country pastor that had a tremendous uh, track record of people being filled with the Holy Spirit that came to him. And so there would be people that would come to him like Nicodemus would sneak out and go to Jesus by night. Remember that? And, um, and so people would come to him and said, hey, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. My family doesn't understand this. They reject this. Tongues are of the devil, this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And he says, but I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this pastor would always take them out to this certain spot in the woods. And he said, uh, every time someone has gone to this spot, they instantly get filled with the Holy Spirit. They said, that sounds good to me. And so here comes a guy in the middle of the night, knocks on the door, says, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pastor said, okay, we have this spot in the woods. I'm going to take you to this spot. When we get to this spot, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. True story. So the guy takes this, the pastor takes this guy. They start walking in the woods, and he notices. He goes, the guy that came to be filled with the Holy Spirit says, where in the world is this spot? How far is this? They just kept walking and walking and walking. And they walked some more. They walked a couple of miles. He says, Pastor, how far is this spot? He goes, oh, it's just up there a little bit further. And finally, after a couple of miles, him walking in the woods with this pastor, <laughs> the guy said in desperation to this pastor, he says, look, I don't care where this spot is in the woods. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost now. And the pastor said, that's the spot right there. <laughs> Laid hands on him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. Start speaking in a heavenly tongue. Amen. Now, the moral of the story is this. There is a spot in God when you put your foot on the ground and you say, enough is enough. I am here to receive right now. Matter of fact, when you come to church, you ought to just draw a line in the sand around you and say, bless God, I'm come grit my teeth and I'm coming here. I'm getting something from God today. Amen. I'm not leaving here empty handed. I'm coming here to receive from God. And when you're determined and when you've made your mind up, God knows that. Amen? See, that's channeling your anger in the right direction. And being determined, say, no, I am going to receive right now. Amen? When I was growing up, my parents bought me, my sister and I, this little dog. Little Heinz 57 dog. It's only about this big. And, uh, but, you know, we begged our parents, oh, please, we want a dog for our Christmas present. You know, well, they got a dog for my great aunt, you know. As a matter of fact, my great aunt, she was actually a nurse in Pearl Harbor when it was being bombed. Okay, this is many years ago. And uh, so we got this little, little doggy, you know, and it was a cute little thing. And, man, we were so excited. You know, I was just 10, 12 years old, something like that. And uh, 
And it was part terrier, this little dog. And we had this little rubber toy. And I remember the, it must be the name of the company, it said Osmond. O-S-M-O-N-D. It was on this, this rubber toy. And there was a place for me to grab the one end and a place for the dog to grab the other end. And so he just loved that little toy. We'd get that thing tug of war, you know, and he'd get his little, his teeth showing, you know, his gums would go up, he'd be ground and so forth. He just loved that little toy. He just loved that little toy. And so as a kid, I would come home. You know, that dog, was he just loved us so much. He would wait at the window for the school bus. The school bus would drop my sister and I off, and I'd be walking down the street, and that little dog, I could see him just, I mean, he would get so, he would actually smile. Did you ever see a dog smile before? I mean, his, his, it's not like I smile, but he'd, he'd see his teeth, man. His gums would go up, you know. He loved us so much, but he loved that toy more than anything else. And he would go get that tool and shake it and everything. And he would bring it to me because he wanted me to pull and he would pull, you know. I don't know what thrill they get out of that, but somehow they do. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God made these animals for us to enjoy? Amen. God made all things for our pleasure. Praise God. I mean, he made all kind of different animals so that you can, some people like big dogs, some people like short dogs, some people like furry dogs, some people even like cats. <laughs> I ain't one of them. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But uh, anyway, this I would the dog would grab a hold of that that toy, and I would I would do this, and he would. Sh- and I was, well, all of a sudden, I got this idea. You know what? He's not going to let go of that thing. So I decided to. P- the dog was small enough; I could pick it up. So he hung on with his mouth. He hung on to that little toy, that rubber toy. I actually picked him up in the air, and he kept holding on. I was like, man, his feet are off the ground. His mouth is holding him up in the air. All of a sudden, I got this thought. Why don't you swing him around, see if he hangs on. So he's on one end. I just started doing this. And his feet are swinging out from the, from the gravitational pull, you know, G-forces. And I did that a couple of times. I thought, wow, he's determined to hang on to this toy. And when I sat him down, there was a couple of teeth on the ground. Oh, I thought, doggone it, what did I just do? A couple of teeth fell out while he was in the process of holding on to that toy. Man, did I feel bad. I guess they grew back. I don't know. (laughs) I know shark's teeth do. But he's not a shark. Well, several years later, the Lord brought that to my attention. He says, now, Keith, he said, if you have just as much determination as that little doggy did to hold on to that rubber toy, if you have just as much determination to hold on to my word and not let go, you will win. Amen? Amen? And I was like, I got that. See, the Lord used my own little parable in my own life, something that happened to me. He says, if you just do what that dog, that dog was so determined not to let go. And there are certain breeds of animals, that dogs that do that. They just, they lock in and that's it. I think a bulldog will do that. They'll just lock in, won't let go. Well, that's determination. And that's our fourth step that we're talking about today is we have to be, we're not going to go to that scripture because of time here today. We'll get into it next week. We have to be make a determination at all costs. I am going to win. 
If it means I have to pray for an hour a day, I'm going to do it. If it means two hours a day, I'm going to do it. If I have to get into the Word for 30 minutes to an hour and listen to a message and sit my old flesh down and listen to a message every day, if that's what it's going to take, that's what it's going to be. We're going to do it. We're not going to win if we don't do that. We have to be determined and we have to be focused. Hallelujah. Psalm 112 talks about the, a believer said one of the things about an uncompromised believer is that uh, when bad news comes, when bad news comes, we're not moved by bad news. Psalms 112. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He is not afraid of bad news. And when bad news comes to all of us, discouraging thoughts come to all of us. Hey, you might as well give up. You think you're going to win now? You've been standing this long. You really think you're going to win? The devil suggests that to you. You think you're really going to win this battle? You have to look at him and say, no, I don't think I'm going to win. I've already won. And I'm, I'm determined I'm going to stand until I see complete victory in my life. How many of you are standing to, for some things in your life right now? It's been a long time. I'm going to leave today and I'm going to pray. Before we leave, I'm going to pray for you this morning. Because listen, all of us here, there are some things that maybe we've stood for and we've received, but then there's other things. Mm. My God. Is heaven and earth going to pass away before this thing changes? We have to be determined in our hearts. I am not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm only moved by the Word of God. And I'll tell you what, right now, I'm determined to win in this situation. And when you make that determination up, all heaven will back you up. You've got the power of the Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that is there to help you, to strengthen you, to reinforce you. Anybody that I've known in... 35 years or whatever plus. Men, women, boys, girls, young people, anybody that I know that has made a determination to win always wins. Always. If they, they're determined to win. No, get your eyes off. This is a warning right now. Get your eyes off other people that have lost in life, that have failed, had faith, so-called faith failures. You don't know what was in their heart. You don't know. They might have said all the right, you might have heard this and that and everything, but you do not know what was really in their heart. Did they really trust God? Did they really believe God in their hearts? Well, from all natural appearances, it may look like they did. But don't be moved by other people's failures. Amen. Well, so-and-so, they believed God and they died. Well, guess what? They just got promoted. Amen. <laughs> when you go to heaven, you, that's as good as it gets, right? But you still do not know exactly what was in a person's heart. So don't base your belief system based on someone else's failure to receive. Are you with me now? Amen. Look to the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Now here's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to pray. 
the Lord told Peter, Jesus told Peter, he said, you know, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. What do we call that? Shredded wheat. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But he says, I've prayed for you. Notice this, that your faith fail not. You see, if you hang on to your faith, you can win. If you let go of it, if you let go of the word which produces faith, if you let go of the word, you've let go of your faith. You're just, you're just trying to grasp onto air. There's nothing solid to hang on to. Amen? But when you hang on to the word of God, which is the foundation of our belief and our faith is the word of God, that's that rock, you will win in life. Praise God. It doesn't matter how bad the thing looks, how bad it looks, or whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Do you ever notice that Satan is really the author of bad news? He always comes with what you don't have, what you don't have, what happened here, this failure here, this failure there. You know, looking at things, looking at that son, looking at that daughter, looking at your finances, looking at your family, what a mess they are. Stop looking at the natural. Start looking to God. Start looking to the Word of God. How do you look to God? You look to His Word. And what He said in His Word is enough to sustain us and to keep us from sinking when everybody else is sinking. Peter walked on the water when everybody else would have sank. But you know what? He really didn't walk on the water. He walked on the Word. Because Jesus said, come. He had that's one word. He had just one word, C-O-M-E. Come. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Come. He steps out of the boat, starts walking on the water. Starts walking to Jesus. He's walking on the word of God. He should have been sinking. What was killing other people, he was walking on top of. <laughs> Did you get that? What was killing other people, drowning other people, he was walking on top of it. Well, just a few short seconds later, you can be in faith for one second, but you get your eyes shifted off, the, off of God, off the Word. You get your eyes shifted and you start looking at the natural, what other people are saying, what the, what the doctor's reporter or this. You start to sink. Peter began to sink. He didn't just sink. He began to sink. It was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. Before you know it, he said, Lord, help me, save me. Well, the reason that he began to sink the first place you start to sink is in your emotions. That's why it's important to make sure you get proper rest. I sound like your mother, don't I? Because you ever notice it's harder to resist temptation and stuff when you're physically exhausted? Things mount, seem so much bigger. Amen? But Peter didn't just sink, he began to sink. Now, if I jumped off the diving board, I don't begin to sink. I'm within a split second, I'm under the water. Been there and done that. Peter was walking on the water. He was walking. He was walking on the Word of God. Miraculous. Oh, hallelujah. And, uh, but as soon as he got his eyes on the wind and the waves, he began to sink. You can be in faith one day, and you're like, God, I'm looking to you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting your Word. But all of a sudden, there's a little symptom that pops up over here and over here. And all of a sudden, you're looking here, looking there, looking there. And you get focused on that. 
Then you get your eyes off the Word of God. You begin to go under. Your emotions start to sink. Your spirit begins to get weighed down. And then the thoughts come, you're never going to win this battle. Who do you think you are? Man, I'm stirred up this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. Let's get our eyes on the Word of God. Let's get focused on the joy of the Lord. Man, how can we have joy? When we're looking to the Word of God, you can't lose. You're not going to lose. I got good news for you. You win. You're not going to lose. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha on the devil. You win. You succeed. You triumph. Because Jesus lives on the inside of you. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, Father, I pray for every one of us in the sound of my voice right now. And even those that will listen by by CD or tape or podcast, however they hear this message. And I pray, Father, just like you prayed for Peter, that the devil tried to sift him like a piece of wheat, but you prayed for him that his faith would not fail. And I pray for us here today, those that hear my voice by way of recording. I pray for supernatural strengthening reinforcing of the Holy Spirit of power and might on the inside of us. Give us a backbone, Lord. Give us a strong spirit. For you said, Lord, a strong spirit will sustain a man even in bodily weakness. And Father, I pray for a strong spirit of faith to rise up in all of us here. I pray this for me. I pray this for all of us in the sound of my voice right now, Father, even those that couldn't be here today. Lord, I pray for a spirit of of strength, a strong spirit, a strong spirit will sustain us, Lord. As your word says, even in times of bodily weakness, you will sustain us. So I thank you, Lord, for reinforcing our hearts and our minds and our spirits with the word of God, with the power of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you for giving us new boldness. Let's all stand up together. Praise God. New strength. New strength. New boldness. Lay your hands on yourself right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release boldness. I release strength and boldness on the inside of us right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you ever work, exercise in some capacity before and you, you experience what they call the pump? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Someone says, man, I feel pumped up. I just worked out. Some of that's been a long time. So at that moment, you feel a surge of strength. You feel stronger than you normally are. That's exactly what's happening in your spirit, man, today. There's a spirit of faith is in this atmosphere right now. And those things that dogged you, that held you back, that tried to intimidate you, are no longer going to intimidate you and dog you anymore. Because you're getting a firm foundation on the inside. You're gritting your teeth and you're saying, no, you don't, devil. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I am determined to win. I am going to win. Amen. Amen. Now go experience victory this week. 
Jesus already got it for you. 